Uh, hey, it's summertime. That means that uh, all of us are probably figuring out some sort of road trip that we either have already taken or we are getting ready to take. And, and we know when it comes to road trips, there's a lot of planning that goes into them, right? I mean, first, you got to figure out where you're going. What's the destination that you want to get to? So maybe it's the beach. Maybe you want to go to the lake. Maybe you want to go to the mountains. Uh, maybe you want to go visit some other country. Uh, maybe you want to just go see family. So there's this destination that you're planning for. Well, you got to get there, don't you? So you got to p- figure out how you're going to get there. Are you going to fly? Are you going to get on a train? Are you going to jump in your car? Are you going to go on a motorcycle? Are you going to take your bike to get there? Maybe you want to walk to this destination, but there's the travel plans you have to handle too. Well, when you get there, where are you going to stay? You got to have a place to stay. So are you going to rent a house? Are you going to do an Airbnb? Are you going to get a condo? Are you going to live out in a tent for the week that you're away? I mean, there's this lodging piece you have to experience too that you've got to plan for. But that's not even counting. Once you get those things done, what you're going to take with you, right? What are you going to take? I mean, you got to think about your clothes. Are you going to take enough clothes? Are you going to take the right clothes with you? you got to think about, are you taking food with you? Are you taking toiletries? And of course, you got to make sure that you pack as many chargers as you can because sometimes having chargers is more important than having underwear on the trips that we take, right? Especially if you got kids. So much planning that goes into these road trips that we take. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to do any of the planning? What would it be great if these road trips were already planned for us and we didn't have to do anything to get to the destination? That's what, yes, amen, that's what we're going to talk about today. A little bit differently than our road trips, but we're going to talk about a road trip that this guy takes. And it's it's a guy who's on the road again, like the song that the band did a little bit earlier. Uh, This guy named Moses. He's going back on the road again, but God has this planned out for him. Before we get to what we're going to read this morning, let me give you a little bit of background uh, behind Moses. Uh, He's Hebrew, but uh, very early on in his life, he is adopted into the, the Egyptian pharaoh's family. And for 40 years, he lives in splendor, right? He lives in the palace. He gets the best foods. He gets the best education. I bet he had a sweet room that he lived in. I mean, he's got everything you can imagine. However, at the same time, his own people, the Hebrew people, were enslaved to the Egyptians. And uh, and they literally were working themselves to death. Uh, They were working all the time. The Egyptians didn't care. Uh, They were treating them poorly. And periodically, it seems like Moses would go and check on them, just kind of see how things are going. And one day he goes to see what ha- what's happening with his own people. And he sees this Egyptian is beating a fellow Hebrew. Moses jumps in, ends up killing this Egyptian, and then he decides this probably wasn't a good idea. And so he flees. He runs away. He gets away from Egypt. And his life becomes a whole lot different. He's not living in splendor anymore. He becomes a nomad. In fact, he meets a guy named Jethro, and he starts working for Jethro as a shepherd for you know, all the animals and livestock and sheep that Jethro has. He actually ends up marrying Jethro's daughter, so Jethro becomes his father-in-law. And so this is the life that, that Moses is living at this point in time. Now this, today, what we're going to read is 40 years after he left Egypt, okay? So at this point, 
He's around 80 years old. And so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 and 4. We're going to hit a couple of spots in here. But we're going to start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Exodus 3.1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. We see Moses is kind of on his own road trip on this particular day, right? He, he's out with his flock. He's, he's just doing work, right? He's living his life. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He comes to this place called Mount Sinai. And if you're familiar with Mount Sinai in Scripture, it's a pretty important place for the Hebrews. And, and it'll be even more important at some point in time in the future for Moses. But he comes to this place, and it's got these religious implications for the Hebrew people. Now, Moses isn't there for a religious experience. Moses isn't there to even meet God. He is there because he's just doing his job. Maybe he liked the view from Mount Sinai. Whatever it may have been, there was a great pastures there. Whatever it could have been, he's, he's there on this particular day. And he's just kind of living his life. But look at verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. A couple things we learn right here. First, we have this burning bush that's not burning, right, which is kind of interesting. And, oh, by the way, in the midst of this burning bush that's not burning, there is this being, right? There's this angel of the Lord, and, and it says here that Moses is amazed. In fact, he even says that to himself in verse 3. He says, this is amazing. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. I, I want you to look at that just for a second. Because here's what I find interesting and in, in what Moses sees there. Like, does he even know that the angel is there looking at him? Right? We, we know it's there, but, but he's more focused on the bush that's burning up is actually not burning. It's kind of like this funny thing as you read through that there. But my question is, like, why, Moses? Like, why are you still there? Why do you want to go see what's going on here? First, you've got a burning bush that's not burning. That, that's weird in itself. But then there's this being that's in the midst of it. And Moses decides, I want to go check this out. Now, I don't know if Moses was nosy. Maybe he was courageous. Maybe he was just dumb. I, I, I don't know. But, but this is what he does. He wants to go see what is going on with this particular bush. And here's what happens. Verse 4. <clears throat> when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Uh, let me stop here for a second. I'm going to give you a little bit of a little inside baseball moment or uh, inside scripture moment because we can read what we've read so far. Maybe it's a little confusing because at the very beginning it talks about this angel of the Lord is there in this bush, right? But now all of a sudden God has shown up in this bush. So it's like, wait, wait, what is this? What, what's going on? Who, who is who? And, and we actually find this uh, quite a few times in scripture, specifically in the Old Testament, where at one moment there's an angel, the next thing you know, God is there speaking to the people that are there. Uh, understand that in Hebrew literature, these titles are actually synonyms. And so when you see angel, you see Lord, you see God, they're, they're synonyms. What, what it really means is that God's presence is there. And so that's what we have happening here. God's presence is there. That God's presence is there in this burning bush that's not burning up, okay? So if you read scripture, you see that. Hopefully that helps a little bit with any confusion you may have. Back to our story. What's going on here? 
God calls out to Moses, and Moses says, hey, I, I, I'm here. And here's what God says to Moses, verse 5. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. A couple things that we see here um, in this translation that says, do not come any closer. Uh, a better translation of this is stop coming near as you are doing. Again, it seems like Moses is a little bit nosy, right? He keeps creeping up a little closer and God's like, whoa, buddy, you, you need to stop. You need to stay where you are. Why does God say this? Well, God understands that Moses isn't ready to fully grasp the presence of God, the nature of God. And God's like, hey, you need to, you need to stay back a, a little bit. That's why we read that at the end of this, this passage. That's why he covers his face. Like he's starting to understand, like the, the person I, the being that I, I'm in the presence of is something way bigger and way more powerful than me and it's too much for Moses but then God says to Moses take off your sandals for you are standing on the holy ground a couple of pieces to this um, in those days in that culture and society servants and slaves did not wear shoes did not wear sandals and the reason was to show your place in society that you were the lowest of the low I think part of what God is telling Moses here is like, hey, I'm going to turn you into a servant. I'm going to have you serve me. And I want you to show that you're ready to take this step with me. And so here's God who says, hey, Moses, take off your sandals. Okay, almost a servanthood posture, if you will. But then God says, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. Now, the truth is this, this mountain wasn't holy this ground wasn't holy. It was God's presence there in that place that made everything holy. And so God is saying, hey, don't come any closer. You don't quite understand who you're dealing with here. But now I want you to show me that, that you're willing to serve me and that you understand that, that you're in the presence of a holy God. Well, after God kind of shares this with Moses, God goes into what? The request is for Moses. Verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. In these verses we see here, these words from God, there's a few things that, that we see happening here. And the first thing is that God asked something of Moses. For about 400 plus years, the Hebrews have been enslaved to the Egyptians. And God has heard their cries. And, and God says, hey, now it's time to, to set them free. And, and by the way, Moses, you're the one that I have chosen to be the one to set them free. This is the request that God has of Moses. But the second thing we see here is that God has a plan, a plan. 
What is this plan? God's plan is to send Moses to have a conversation with Pharaoh, to ask Pharaoh to let the Hebrews go, to let them out of their slavery into, into freedom. And then what's Moses' job is to have this conversation with Pharaoh and then to lead the Israelites to that freedom. Moses is actually a perfect choice for this job. Because think about this, Moses, for 40 years, he grew up in that culture, right? He knows the culture, he knows the systems, he knows the structures, he knows the people. And so there is nobody better to go send to fulfill this, this, this request that God has. That Moses is the perfect choice for this, and God has a plan for this. But then lastly, God tells Moses this plan is going to succeed. God says, you're going to lead them out of Egypt and you're going to lead them to a brand new and better place. Not only have I chosen you, not, not only are, is this plan ready to go, and not only that, but, but this plan will succeed. And Moses, I just need you to say yes. How does Moses respond? Look at verse 11. But Moses protested. To God. I, I like to say that anytime when you look at scripture and you see but start a sentence in scripture, it means it's a big old but, okay? And what I mean is there's something really big that's coming after this that we need to pay attention to. And, and that's what we see right here, right? Here we have Moses, who seems to be pretty courageous. There's this burning bush that's not burning, and there's this angel, there's God, there's this being in it. And, and what does he do? He keeps walking toward it, keeps getting closer to it. He wants to know what's happening. And all of a sudden, this, this bush, you know, God is talking to Moses. They're having this conversation. Moses seems to be okay. But then God says, hey, I've got something I need you to do, Moses. And it's at this point that Moses is ready to say, well, I think I'm good. I, I don't really know that I want to do what you're asking of me. And what does Moses do? Moses makes excuses, right? He makes excuses. In fact, if we go into Exodus chapter 4, we read this in verse 10. Here we go again. But Moses, there's another one of those big old buts. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Again, here's God, chosen Moses, said, you're the guy. You're the person I want to do this. I got a plan in place. I, this is going to succeed. And Moses comes back with this excuse, like, oh, but I'm not very good with the words that I, that I use. Scholars uh, kind of tried to figure out what's going on here with Moses. What is he saying here? What does he get to? What's this, this perceived challenge that he has? And some say it's a speech impediment. Some say he stutters. Uh, some say he's just, literally, he's just not good with words. He can't put a good sentence together. Um, some even say that if, uh, based on a description of Moses a little bit further down, that uh, that he's got a, a problem with potty mouth, right? And, and he has a hard time kind of controlling what he says, and he's like, eh, I probably don't need to go to Pharaoh and use some of this language. But here's the deal. We don't really know, okay? We, we really don't know what's going on here. But here's Moses who comes to God, or, or God comes to Moses, and, and then Moses has this excuse of why he can't do what God wants him to do, why he can't accomplish the plans that God has for him. And we see this playing out in this conversation with God. There's this continual 
back and forth, back and forth. God's like, I picked you. You're the one. I've chosen you. And Moses is like, no, not me. Why me? I can't do this. I've got this, this speaking issue that, that's really hard for me to, to be in those places, and I'm not going to be able to lead these people. And so there's this back and forth, and Moses keeps coming up with these excuses. But what could be the reason for this excuse or these excuses that Moses keeps bringing to God? I think there's a couple of possibilities here. I think one, Moses fears his past. God's asking Moses to go back to this place where 40 years earlier he killed somebody. I don't know what the statute of limitations were back in those days. I'm pretty sure they didn't exist. And so maybe there's this fear that I'm going to go back and they know me. They know what I did. Uh, they, they know I killed an Egyptian, and when I get there, they're going to arrest me, and they're going to kill me. Maybe, maybe there's that fear that he has. And so when he says no to God, when he's making these excuses, part of it, he fears his past. But, but I also, also think that, that Moses um, probably didn't feel like he really belonged those 40 years he was there. Once again, he's He's Hebrew. And all his fellow Hebrews, they're not living in the Pharaoh's palace with the Pharaoh's family. They're probably living in little shanties. They are, uh, probably have very little food. They are working every single day of their life. They're literally dying while they work. And so Moses is like, who am I? I think there's this potential confusion that's there for him. I'm, I'm with the Egyptians, but I'm not Egyptian, and my people are down there. And, and so maybe there's this confusion for Moses. And he didn't want to go back and deal with that again. That, that left plenty of, of scars in his, in his own life. So I think there's this fear part for Moses, that he fears his past, and that's why he's making excuses to God. But it also could be that Moses is pretty comfortable. I mean, he's not a spring chicken anymore, right? He's not 40 years old like he was before. Now he's 80 years old. God's jumping into his life, and he's like, God, I really don't want to, at the age of 80, be in management, right? I kind of let those days go past. I don't want to deal with leadership and do seminars and have to teach people how to do this. I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm thinking about retirement, God. I'm thinking about Florida and, and golf courses and pickleball all day and, and eating dinner at 3.45 p.m. These are the things that I'm thinking about. I, I'm just kind of comfortable in my life. I mean, I, I've got a job, and it, it takes care of me, and I've... I've got a family, and I've got a wife, and i got some kids, and I've got a good father-in-law, and I've got all these things that, that I feel like are comfortable to me. And here you are, you're, God, you're, you're asking me to jump out of my comfort zone. You're asking me to do something that's going to be totally different. Because if I do this, I'm going to have to leave probably some of my family behind. I'm going to have to leave my really good job behind. I'm going to have to leave those, those beautiful pastures I used to take the sheep to. I'm going to have to leave those mountain views from places like Mount Sinai. I'm going to I'm gonna have to leave my favorite restaurants. I'm going to have to leave all of that stuff to do what you want me to do. And this life's pretty good. I'm feeling pretty comfortable where I am. And so Moses, I think part of it is he just doesn't want to move out of this comfort zone he finds himself in. Verse 13 of chapter 4, we find this other but again. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. But God has chosen Moses. And God has a plan for Moses. And this plan is going to succeed with Moses. 
And yet we find Moses pushing back over and over again with God. Which as I think about this event in Moses' life, I don't think it's really any different than you and me. That we're really not any different than, than Moses. And so what I, I want to do for the rest of our time, I want to kind of take the, uh, sort of this, this pattern that we just talked through with Moses and, and use it for ourselves because I, I think we're going to see how similar we are to Moses. And it really starts with a question. Here's the question. What has God asked of you? What has God asked of you? What has God requested of you that you keep saying no to? Maybe it's a conversation that God has asked you to have with someone else. And, and you're not supposed to do it because you can just feel your spirit stirring up inside. That you're supposed to do this. This is what God's requesting you to do. And, and what do you do? You just keep saying no because you're afraid. You're afraid to have that conversation. Or, or maybe for someone else, it's reconciliation. It's a, a broken relationship with a family member. It's a broken relationship with a, someone who used to be a close friend. And and you know that reconciliation is the right thing, but you just don't want to take that first step to deal with that. Maybe for you, God's called you to change your job. The job you're in right now is taking up so much of your time. It's taking you away from your family. It's, it's messing with your health. And, and you keep doing it because of the income or because of the title. And, and God's like, no, man, you, you need to change. You need to slow down. You need to do something different. Or God's called you to move closer to family because your family really needs you right now. And, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right right here where I am. Maybe God's called you to foster or adopt a child or foster and adopt a, a teenager. Maybe God's called you to interact with your neighbor that you're afraid to interact, interact with because they're just so different than you are. They're, they're culturally different. They're economically different. They're politically different. And and so you're afraid to begin that conversation and build that relationship with them. Or, or maybe your fear is here. Maybe, maybe God's requested you to do something here at the journey to host a neighborhood group, to lead a neighborhood group. God, God's asked you to, to serve in some capacity. God's asked you to take your, one of your first steps in your spiritual journey to be baptized. And you keep saying no and no and no and no. Maybe God is asking you to do something. What is that? What is that request that you keep saying no to? And then how are you responding to God's request for your life? Well, I bet if you're like me, if you're like Moses, you just keep making excuses. Right? I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. You know what? I, yeah, I agree. I should reconcile with this person, but they started it. It was their fault. So I'm just going to wait till they take that first step. Or I don't have enough money to do what you're asking me, God. Or I don't have the skills, abilities. I don't have the, the knowledge to do what you do or, or want me to do. Or, or maybe we're like Moses. We're like, hey, I, I'm just not very good with words. See, God has asked us to do something. And you and I just keep making excuses after excuses after excuses. It takes me back to my time before I got into ministry. I worked in the business world for a couple of years. And um, we'd all, Monday mornings, 7.30 a.m., we'd, we'd all meet together and we would talk about our numbers and our meetings and phone calls from the week before. And, and then we'd talk about what our activities were going to look like for the week that was coming. And so we're sitting in there one Monday morning, and um, it was my turn. I gave my information. I gave my numbers. And uh, my boss looks at me because of the way I responded. He, he looks at me. He's like, Chad, he's like, you know that, and I, 
I can't say the word that he used right here, okay, because I'm going to let you kind of figure it out. We've sort of alluded to it earlier. But he says that, Chad, excuses are like blank. Everybody has one. I'm like, yeah, you know why he said that to me? Because that day I was making excuses. I was making excuses for why I didn't do what I was supposed to do the week before and why I didn't have planned what I was supposed to have planned the week that was coming. And so he calls me out on that. But he was right. Excuses are something that we all have. And too often we use them when God asks something from us. God's ready to go. God's like, I've chosen you. I've got a plan that's going to succeed. And we're like, wait, hold up a second. I've got this, and this is going on. This is where I am. I just, I just can't do that, God. And so we keep saying no. We keep coming up with excuses. Why do we do that? Well, I think if we go back to Moses, it's because you fear your past. Part of it is you don't want to deal with your past. And what God is calling you to do means you're going to have to deal with your past to succeed at what God has called you and wants you to do. And I don't think, unless you've been through counseling, usually for more than a couple of times, that you realize how much our, you know, our past influences our present. That so much of who we are today is defined by our past, our home experiences, our family experiences. Hey, the trauma that some of us have had to go through, we have went through as a child, as a teenager, even as an adult, those, those tra traumatic experiences still, man, they, they influence and define us today. And so if we really want to do what God's called us to do, sometimes we've got to deal with our past. But I also think that's why a lot of people don't want to go to counseling. Because for you, you know, you know it's a wound, but you've got it stitched up and you've got it glued up and you've got a bandage on it. You think you are good to go. And you're like, I don't want to reopen this wound again. So I'm just going to forget about my past. I'm going to forget it even happened. But many times when God calls us to something and God has a plan for our life, it's going to mean that we have to deal with our past. We're going to have to deal with those broken relationships. We're going to have to deal with those past decisions that we've made. We're going to have to deal with the trauma that we experienced. Because God has a plan for you. God wants to help you succeed in this plan, but too often we kind of hold on to that fear. And instead of listening to God and moving in the direction of God, we are stuck because of our past. And we fear that past. But I also think, like Moses, you're probably comfortable. Now, you're not 80 years old like Moses. Maybe you're not thinking about moving to Florida and playing pickleball and eating dinner at 3.45 p.m. You're not thinking about those things. But, but you think about your life, right? You look at your life and you're like, hey, my life's good. I got a job and I make a good income and I got a nice house and I have a nice car to drive. We're, we're taking a nice vacation this year. I'm thinking about the future and retirement. I'm thinking about these things. And, and then God comes and, and taps you on the shoulder. Or God comes and shows up in the, in the burning bush that's not burning. And God's like, hey, I got something for you to do. I need you. I got a plan. It's going to succeed. And we're like, hey, life's pretty good, right? I, I'm pretty comfortable. I, I like sitting on my couch and watching Netflix every day. This feels pretty good to me. And we're too comfortable with our life because God, when God wants us to do something, so often it means God's going to take us out of our comfort zone. And that, that may not mean you've got to give up everything, right? It may not be 
quite to the extent of Moses. Maybe there's just a few things that God is asking us to give up because God has a plan for us. And we're too afraid to do it because we like what we have right now. We like this comfort zone that we have in our life. And we're afraid to take the steps that God has asked of us. Maybe that's the place that you're in. There's the fear of the past. There's this thing that you're too comfortable. There's these excuses, whatever they may be for you. And so like Moses, you just want to keep saying no and no and no. But there's something that God says to Moses in here that is so powerful that you and I need to hold on to. And it's back in chapter 3, verse 12. Here's what God says to Moses. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. We don't know what the rest of the day is going to hold for us, do we? Today may be the day you get a brand new car. Uh, it may be the day that you find out uh, that uh, you're pregnant and you've been trying to be pr get pregnant for such a long time. Maybe today is the day that you go to Giant and you buy a scratch off and you win a million dollars. That might be your day today. Or for the rest of the day today, you may spend your time in the ER. Or maybe today's the day you total your brand new car. Or maybe today is the last day of your life. We don't know. We don't know what the future holds for us for the rest of today or the rest of this week or the rest of this month or the rest of this year. But, but here's what we do know. We get to choose. We get to choose whether we want to do what God asked us to do. Which means we get to choose whether we want to be afraid of what God is asking us to do too. Because that might mean working through our, our past and we just don't want to do that. But it also means we get to choose whether, whether we want to continue to live in this comfortable life that I, I would just tell you that in the big scheme of things, it's probably a pretty empty life. It's just the day-to-day -day grind that we go through and nothing really changes and we don't listen to God and, and we're never really challenged in a way. We don't challenge ourselves to follow God's leading in this. Or like Moses, we can let those words from God sink into our souls. Where God says, I and with you. And when God is with us, whatever those fears may be, God can bring us peace. And whatever our excuses may be of why we think we can't do something, God's like, no, I, I've got the skills and abilities and knowledge you need. Just, just follow me. Or then we get to this place like, well, this is going to take me out of my comfort zone. God's like, hold up a second. I got you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. See, too often the vision God has for us is so much bigger than the vision we have for ourselves. And God's just saying, I want you. And I've got a plan, and you're going to succeed. I just need you to listen and follow me. But you may be sitting there and asking yourself, how do I know what God is asking me to do, right? How do I know? This sounds great. This sounds wonderful. But I don't know how practically how I do this. There's a couple things I would say to you first. Are there people in your life, different people, that keep saying the same things to you? There's like this same theme or topic that keeps coming up. Hey, hear me out. Many times God will talk through other people to tell you what God has in store for you. Okay? And maybe that's the place you need to start focusing on. 
Or maybe it's your prayer life. You pray and, and go back and maybe you journal a little bit. Go back and look at your prayer life over the, next, the, the last uh, few months or the last few years. I bet if you really look back, you're going to see a theme that keeps coming up over and over again. Hey, hear me out. If you're praying, I bet God's speaking to you in some way. Or, or maybe your, your Holy Spirit inside of you is just stirring up something. You just can't say no to it. You're like, what is going on? Hey, that is probably God speaking to you. That God has a plan for you. God wants you to succeed in what God's asking of you. But you just got to take those first steps. And you can't let your excuses take over. You can't let your fear of the past take over. You can't let this comfortable life be the most important thing. And the reason is because God is with you. When we look at Moses, Moses pushed back over and over again to this request that God had of him. And, and it's crazy how God works sometimes because God in some ways listened to Moses and made a couple of adjustments, right? But in the end, Moses did what God asked. Moses understood God was with him. And in the end, Moses goes to Egypt. He speaks with the Pharaoh, with his brother Aaron. And even though it took a little bit of time to happen, finally Pharaoh lets the Israelites go. And through God's work, Moses is used to lead them to freedom. And maybe that's what God's asking of you. That God wants to lead you to freedom but it means you have to listen to God's leading and let go of those fears. Let go of the comfortable life you have. Let go of those excuses and know that God is with you. Let's pray.